Hey, everybody. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, speaking with New York Mets right-handed reliever, Trevor May. Trevor, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Um, you guys got to be pretty psyched leading into the season. It looks like you guys are getting started on time. Fingers crossed. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's uh, it's about that time to uh, start firing up the old uh, firing up the old arm again, for sure. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, at least as far as the relief court, it looks like you guys are pretty stacked. You have a lot of reliable arms. You have uh, looks like depth is really building out. Um, you excited to work with some of these guys? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I I know that like a f- technically twenty percent of the team's different uh, going into this year, and we're all welcome additions. But I I'm I'm, I'm just excited to. Uh, because a lot of these guys are guys that I've battled against in the AL Central for my whole career and their whole careers. We all line up pretty, we've all been around about the same amount of time too. So uh, it's going to be great to join forces and kind of just uh, take it at the NL, NL East, which is a very competitive uh, division and, and a lot of good teams with, with a smattering of really good veterans and a lot of really young, good young talent, some of the best guys in the game. So, um, but I'm, I'm excited to join forces and uh, uh, and fi- finally, not have to fight each other. That's gonna be it's gonna be nice. Oh, I could imagine. I mean, between like guys like you and Diaz, and and you know, uh, the upsides in guys like Familia and Batances. I mean, you you can give opposing hitters so many different looks. Um, you know, no one's really gonna have to be leaned upon. At least from a fan perspective, it looks like it's gonna be uh, giving Louis Rojas at least uh, a decent amount of options. Yeah, and I, that's something that's a luxury we we've had in the last couple of years in, in Minnesota, and and the and the guys that you know I was out there with, we kind of created that situation through a lot of hard work and a lot of bounce stuff off each other, and a lot of really good development and direction from from the from the from the coaching staff, and from what I've heard and what I've seen with moves made, it's the same that 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 same process is happening here. Um, you know, and it starts with half and and uh, uh, you know and, and goes from there. So you know. I, I know I know him really well. I believe I, a lot of my philosophy of pitching has, has been from having conversations with him. And you know, you got guys like like Batanzas and some of the best, you know, raw stuff in the past five years out there with with Brock and and myself, like guys who were all either really close to being all stars at some point or all stars. Um, you know, with Edwin, lots of lots of hard throwers, lots of guys that can go out and strike out the side to get out of a tough situation. So um, that's a good spot to be in. And we've uh, I think that. It's just going to all about be about two things: just staying healthy, making sure everyone's, you know, as, feeling as good as they can on a day to day basis, you know, with rest and everything, and then just um, um, relishing your opportunity when you get it, when you're out there, and uh, uh, and just executing pitch after pitch. And guys, guys kind of feed off each other. Like that's what happens with bullpens: you get three or four, five, six, seven guys that are all expecting to throw in leverage and expect and, and have a pretty good idea when it's going to be their opportunity to go get it out. And, and they get excited for that. When that happens, you, you, you see really, really good stuff and you see lots of wins thrown together and, and division championships and playoff runs. Oh, I think we've seen it so many times, um, you know, internal competition just kind of breeds excellence. Um, as far as structure, being a relief pitcher, is, is that, you know, is that a catalyst for getting the most out of a guy? Or is something like a like in a deep in a deep open like you folks are going to have, um, you know, is that does that kind of fall by the wayside, or is, or is structure really that much of a of a helpful, um, I guess, commodity? Uh, we we actually spent a lot of time. It was very very fluid last year. 
Um, you know, we had we had a couple veteran guys with Sergio Romo and and, and Clip who Clippard who is used to uh, uh, maybe a little bit more of a rigid structure and knowing when when his opportunities were going to be. And uh, uh, we it, t- it takes some adjustment, but I think that fluidity is is important in this day and age for for a couple of reasons. Uh, you gotta gotta make sure you're ready to go on a day to day basis, and you gotta make sure that you're providing as much value value for your team. Because if you're a reliever, like if you're a guy who's set on closing, but you're you know for God forbid your team's not as good, you just don't get that many opportunities to pitch. Uh, it's not helpful to you or your career or anybody. Uh, you're not you're not providing as much value as you can. So uh, I think opening it up a little bit uh, and having kind of a general idea of, you know, <clears throat> your starter and what they're expecting from him. And then once you get that kind of down, you can then uh, uh, forecast a little bit like where in the where in the, the lineup you'll be facing. So for me, last year it was like two, three, four. It was literally every single game. It was <laughs> Indians over and over. Lindor, uh, uh Lindor, uh, Ramirez, uh, Santana over and over and over. Right. And so we, and I just knew I'm going, I'm like, all right, I'm facing these guys. And then with maybe a couple other guys, depending on, you know, who's down and whatever on, on any given night. But, um, and I faced them a ton. And once I, once I got in that rhythm, um, it was easier to stay ready. So I think that there, there's probably going to be a, and I, I can't speak to what happened last year. I know it's the same, the same, but, but I know that, I know that, uh, uh, F is a proponent of that that strategy and just making sure guys are, are throwing in their best, being put being put in the best situation to be successful, so that therefore the team is successful. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's more it's better to keep an open mind and just kind of have a general idea of a couple of a window as opposed to a specific inning. I think that's just the the way the the way it's changing. I, I've gotten a handful of saves every year because there was like a couple times I got com- caught completely off guard, thought I was done. <laughs> and they're like, May, you're closing. And I thought Sergio was up and he was down or something like that happened. I didn't know. And he laughed at me when I was getting more. So uh, uh, that, that was stuff I had to learn. But, you know, I learned when I was a young, a young guy and I was just trying to stay in the big leagues that like just just they, they call your name man, go out and shove and yeah. it, it all takes care of itself. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that's a good way to go about it. And I think that's the best way to be successful as, as a group. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Working with Hef again. And of course, you know, him coming to New York, it was a big... uh, I guess a big selling point that he's going to be able to be kind of that conduit between the analytics uh, department and, and to the, to the pitching staff. Um, I, I guess, could you speak to that 
kind of open flow of information of data going back and forth? Like, uh, does Hef's, uh, how can I put it? Does his, uh, you know, does his, I have a term. It's right at the tip of my tongue. I swear to God. <laughs> you know, is he all that's advertised as yeah. far as getting that information to the players? Yes, I, I do. He doesn't get the nickname weapon without, without being good at it. Uh, yeah. I, he's, he's one of the better, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, there's, there's a really interesting thing in baseball with um, the use of analytics and a lot of people that run those departments aren't, aren't necessarily ex-players or people who have been on the field very much. Sure. And so communicating their information to players is, has been a real challenge. I think from, for just in general across baseball, it's been a, a, a it's been a gap that, that a lot of teams are approaching in different ways and trying to figure, you know, put, putting people who are t- usually behind the, you know, behind the scenes or back in the back room or behind the computer, you know, on the field a little bit more, having them have more interaction with players so that you can create a dialogue there. And we had that with Josh Kalk. And I, I can honestly say that I, I felt uh, from just meeting him who department to, to when I, when I, I left that organization, we had, we developed friendship and we could talk about all kinds of stuff outside of even baseball, just in Atlanta analysis in general, because it's something I'm really interested in just in, I'm interested in data just in general, like in yeah. the world and how the world works. So we had a lot of those conversations and, and I think the half has is equipped really well to disseminate a lot of that information. Well, to players um, having it played and, and also having worked on the other side. So he's done both. And that's a great, that's a great thing to have. It's extremely valuable for a team. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he helps guys use data in any way that they want to use it, which is helpful for them and, and try things and just go for stuff. And, you know, uh, guys want to want to want information on how a pitch is moving or why it's getting hit when it wasn't getting hit before. I can't tell you the number of times I've done that with him, like just been like I, something's happening with this pitch and I don't know what I can't pinpoint it is because I can't see it and I can't feel it as well. And then there's data that will tell you most of the time point at something that 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 might be an issue and to work on. And you can be really agile making adjustments that way so that, you know, you don't have seven straight bad outings and there before you know it, you're like, you're looking for a job. Like it's just <laughs> the way baseball is, man. You just, you just gotta be, you gotta figure things out quickly. So, um, and, and, you know, we had a lot of guys figuring it out uh, with him there. And, and I'm, I'm excited to, to participate again and continue to bounce stuff off him and have that relationship and continue to get better. And also, Watch, watch a lot of the other guys, uh, um, the, the way they do it. Because I learn a lot from watching other guys improve too. So I'm, that's, it's, he's just, it's just an ideal situation to have him around uh, uh, in that process. I, I could imagine. And that, that was kind of my wrap-up question. Was like, are you more of like a grip it and rip it guy? Or, or do you get into that? Like, like do you tinker with your spin axis and, and stuff like that? Because, I mean, your spin rates are, are on pretty much all your pitches are, are right up there. Um, is this like something you actively work at? Or it's just, you know, you taking tips? Or if you don't feel right, like you said, you'll go to Hef and kind of figure things out? Or are you like really into that stuff? Yeah, so like the numbers are interesting to me um, of improving spin rate and stuff, and the correlation between you know carry and spin rate is pretty pretty strong. And um, so it's it's all about understanding what you are, what your strengths are. So like I go into a situation, I'm I'm confident in my ability to get a strikeout or at least get some sort of light con- or t- pop up in the infield, something that's not going to produce any any people moving up a base. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my value. With that comes fly balls, and with that comes homers every once in a while. So there's a trade off. Most guys are that, or they're guys that have sinkers and sliders and get more ground ball stuff, but don't strike out as many people. That's the general buckets. There's guys that do both, but for the most part, 
uh, people are in one of those two camps. So once you understand those things, uh, uh, you can then like really play up your strengths and then know what data is going to, is going to point to those things improving. So when you want to see improvement and you want to make an adjustment, you can actually get like actual evidence that the over time. And that for me, that's like what I need. When I hear that stuff, I buy in immediately. It's just the way I, I, I work. It's proof. Um, and as opposed to guess and check, um, which takes longer and you don't know if it's actually, if you're even on the right track or not. So, um, I'm definitely, I tried to be a grip and rip it guy at some point in my life. Uh, my brain is just, I, if I let my brain just run around and think, let's try this, let's try this. So let's try this. So it's all the time. I'm just never going to, I'm never going to stick. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, yeah, I've really bought, uh, bought into it since my Tommy John, even cause I had a lot of time to think and, and make adjustments. And so, it's just, it's, and once you get to a certain level, you get to the major leagues. Um, you know, it's not about like, I need to really work on, on my focus. I need to establish myself. Once you establish yourself, it's all about honing and making major adjustments, changing pitches and things. That's like the fun. That's a, that's one of the most fun parts about the game is making those adjustments for me. I, I really enjoy it. What's that cat and mouse game with major league hitters like where there's the constant adjustments back and forth. Like it, it's so frustrating. The guys who don't strike out, everyone goes, Hey, would you be, would you like to face Barry Bonds? I'm like hundred percent would like to face Barry Bonds. I wouldn't want to face Tony Gwynn. <laughs> Those, that, that, that's a cat and mouse. That's a, you're out there and you're, you're a reliever and you need to get three outs and you just had to throw 28 pitches to get three outs because Tony Gwynn put, you know, made you throw 15 to him. Like <laughs> that kind of stuff I hate. Uh, and so then there's going to, there's a lot of those guys in this division. Uh, and so I'm really excited to see, you know, if I can really, really hammer and make really good pitches to some of these guys that just don't have big holes that are glaring. Uh, and, you know, uh, Frankie Lindor is one of those guys too. I'm so glad he's with us, but uh, he was that guy for him and Jose Ramirez were just like, I can't get these guys to swing a miss. Like, and then, but it was, but my, so success changed my head about like what we were looking for there. Uh, but the cat and mouse, it just, it really depends on the night, the situation and the type of guy you want to face. Uh, but, but that guy who hits, hits seven foot, 700 foot homers, but maybe strikes out a little bit more. Give me that guy. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'll go right after him. Um, I get asked the question all the time because I live stream and I'm talking to fans a lot. They're just like, who's the, who, what, what hit are you most scared of? Or what hitter is the scariest or what's, what hit are you most worried about coming into this year? And I, I just don't, I refuse to answer that question with any specifics. I just say, there's no one, I do not, I'm not spending this off season worried about facing someone on the Braves or worried about facing one of the Phillies. Uh, that is not the way that success in major league baseball works. It's just about having complete confidence that you can have confidence that they can hit your best stuff and, and you, it's just a movable object versus a, you know, unstoppable force at that point. Oh, the mental aspect of this sport just will never stop blowing me away. It's so yeah. cool. Trevor, thank you so much for taking the time to chat, man. I hope we can get back up with you during the season and um, good luck, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah!